It's showtime. Okay, don't you, South America, Australia, France, Germany, UK, Africa. Here we go. Head on with Bob Kincaid. Three hours of conversation, cussing and a discussing with America's only born and bred Southern liberal talk host. Head on with Bob Kincaid is brought to you each night by Coal River Mountain Watch. Coal River Mountain Watch invites you to become part of the solution, part of a sustainable future, part of the uprising against mountaintop removal. Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. And now, from high in the hills of beautiful West Bicod, Virginia, here's Bob Kincaid on the Head On Radio Network. Well, howdy. This is the horn. Head on dot live is where you'll find us on the interweb tubes. That's where you go if you'd like to be part of the merry, madcap, wacky, zany, real-time multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in which this program is live, Monday through Friday, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, all time zones in between, and the Great Globe Round, at whatever time it happens to be when you're listening to the podcast. Hi, I'm Robin. If you are listening live, then by all means, uh, feel free to run over to HeadOn.Live, click on chat room, and jump in and be greeted by the early arriver, Squeaky, to the merry, wacky, zany, real-time, madcap, multimedia extravaganza that is the horn chat room in the three hours in the program is live. And uh, I'm sure more will be popping by soon for this more and Monday. And if you're listening to the podcast, if you are a member of the podcast uh, portion of this little broadcast community, well, first of all, thank you. Thank you. And second of all, please like each and every episode. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're taking it. Or maybe subscribe on multiple platforms so that you can make sure that uh, uh, you get it. Because, for instance, uh, I was talking with uh, Micah earlier today, well, messaging. And she said that she did not get uh, the podcast from Friday on Spotify. But it's there on Podbean and it's there on White Rose. Sometimes these individual platforms, however their feeds run, they don't feed right. So if you subscribe on multiple platforms, 
if one drops out, you'll get it another way. And that's helpful. Every program here at the Horn begins with gratitude, and this program is no different. So consequently, that means we say thank you to our 23rd, 24th, and no, 23rd, 22nd, and 21st day of the month subscribers. And that means, working backwards, thank you to our friend Dave at uh, Mellow Moonlit Meadow. And thank you to Lou in PA. Thanks as well to to, uh, Colin. Thank you, Colin. Thank you to Felicia, formerly of Nebraska, now of the greater San Diego area. Let's see here. And uh, let's see here. I'm sorry. Just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anybody. Yeah, it turns out. Hmm. We don't have any subscribers on the 21st day of the month. So. Well, how about that? But thank you to all all of you for being partial sponsors of the program and helping to keep this little independent liberal broadcast effort afloat. It's our anniversary week. Uh, in point of fact, tomorrow is the 18th anniversary of the Horn being a, uh, an Internet-only operation. 18 years tomorrow. And so... Uh, I, you know, I don't know. We'll have uh, cowbells and party hats, and no, I wish there would be <laughs> cupcakes, but no, it's just uh, it's just rather remarkable. And then, of course, on February fourth, twenty twenty-four, we will celebrate twenty years overall of this broadcast. So, thanks to everybody who's been along for the ride. Thank you sincerely. Meanwhile. I had a I had a, I had a call from uh, our pal TJ in uh, Des Moines. And he'd been on the road work for work and such. Um, and uh, TJ and I chatted for a few minutes. And TJ wants to make sure that we finish the month uh, fully funded two months in a row. And so there is a thousand dollar. Clean up the ketchup challenge on the table, which, if met, will get us all completely caught up with the backlog. Our fundraising uh, fundraising hole right now is at seventeen ninety nine, so it's a it's a matching challenge. Every dollar that comes in between now and the end of the week will be doubled, and so that will uh, that would wipe out our backlog. Uh, plus two hundred and one dollars, and mean that we've got a fighting chance of finishing this month fully funded. Uh, we have uh, how many broadcast days left? She said, realizing she had a calendar in her hand. Uh, yeah, we have one, two, three, four, five, six. We have six broadcast days left, and but a chance to finish the month fully funded. Thank you, TJ. The clean up the ketchup, and that's K 
clean up, K-L-E-A-N-U-P, the ketchup, K-U-T-C-H-U-P. Clean up the challenge, or clean up the ketchup challenge, courtesy of TJ in Des Moines. We actually, uh, uh, TJ is a uh, an automo- automobile aficionado, and we talked to, uh, uh, we we talked about my long gone days of being a sports car enthusiast. I'm still an enthusiast. I just don't have one. I'm a sedan enthusiast now. But it was really nice talking with uh, talking with TJ. Uh, so, and that was sat- sat- late Saturday night. I didn't do Bridge Day. It, quite uh, quite honestly, I. Uh, I got up Saturday morning, and you know we talked. About, I, I talked about what a uh, uh, bit of a hike Bridge Day is. It was beautiful. I thought it was going to be rainy and sloppy, and that's part of what got in, uh, got into me. Um, got under my skin. It wasn't. It was absolutely damn gorgeous. Um, all the way through Bridge Day, but I checked in with. Uh, Several of my girlfriends, and uh, they uh, one was one was sick, another was dealing with a bout of diverticulitis, and it, which is a different kind of sick. So I stayed home, but still, I made I made the best of it because I did what I do every bridge day, and I made a big pot of my uh, bridge day chili, which, by the way, Annette told me was the best pot of of Bridge Day Chili I have ever made. She said, you just keep getting better. And so yesterday, because it's a law of nature, chili is better the second day than the first. Because the longer it sits, the longer it simmers, uh, the more the flavors marry. And so yesterday, I filled several disposable containers and took them around to several of my friends over across the river and took a container to uh, Margie, who loved it. But the other thing I did, because it's beginning to get cool here, so things like chili, bean soup, hot cornbread, uh, it's all part of it. And I noticed that I had a one-pound package of uh, navy beans, And with that in mind, I thought, hmm. And I looked around in the fridge, and there were some ham hocks. And so I kind of got to thinking about our, our dear friend Scott and how much he would have enjoyed it. And I soaked that one-pound bag of navy beans overnight and put it in the crock pot with the, with the ham hocks. And a couple of bay leaves and some celery leaves. Let the crock pot go on low uh, all day long. And then uh, uh, diced an onion and sweated them in butter. Excuse me. Added them into the soup. Ah, and Scott would have been tickled, uh, tickle pink. 
classic Senate Navy bean soup. It's on the it's on apparently by senatorial resolution. Regardless of whether Democrats or Republicans have control of the Senate, it's on the menu every day in the Senate cafeteria. There we are with the nickups again. And golly Moses, is it good. So, comfort food. <laughs> but ju- just by way of yeah, my life, um, I was late getting to sleep on Saturday. For some reason, I just couldn't. And so I thought I would do that one thing that always knocks me out. No, not not a Jeroboam of rot gut Mexican gasoline tequila. No. Uh, read. With a book in my hand and everything. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, Sunday, Saturday night into Sunday, about 3 o'clock in the morning it appeared to be working. Notice I said appeared to be. So I turned on my iPhone for the light, marked my place in my book. I'm rereading All the King's Men by Robert Penn Warren. And just as I turned, just as I turned the phone back around to me, because I'd gotten to that point where, you know, my eyes were very heavy and I was slipping in and out of awake and not awake. And boy, did I get awake real fast. Because as I turned the phone around to me, in the light of the screen, I saw. Eight legs perched on my chest, right about my solar plexus. And I screamed like a little girl. I'm usually good about spiders. I love jumping spiders. I I just adore jumping spiders. This was not a jumping spider. This was a great big spider. Don't know how she got in. But I screamed and... Scraped her off my scraped her off my nightgown. Turned the light on, and went. Oh no, where is she? And shook the covers real good, and went all over the bed, and looked down beside the bed, and <sighs> no spider in sight. So I sat there and read some more for another hour. It's about four now. And I read myself back to being sleepy again. So again, bookmark in the book, book back down by my bedside, reached over, turned out the light, turned over on my side, made sure that every part of me was covered up with the exception of my right arm, which was outside the covers. And I had almost calmed myself down enough to go back, and I was on on the way back to sleep when I felt... Eight little legs coming up my right arm. 
At this point in time, I screamed again. I think I, I think I scared the cats. And I very carefully this time reached over with the other arm, turned the bedside lamp on, and looked down. And there she was again. And this time I decided I would be smarter about it, and I knocked her off onto the covers. And it was the damnedest thing. I know there's a little bit of anthropomorphism probably going on here. But I swear to God, she turned around and gave me a look. You ever gotten a look from a spider? And I, I, I was trying a cup, anything. I was going to take her outside, like I because I recognized what she was. She was not poisonous, not venomous. She was a good little hunter. But I couldn't find anything, and I squished her. But I didn't squish her good enough. I just kind of stunned her, I guess. And she kind of, ah, help me, with her little legs. and I started feeling terrible. And so then I grabbed a paper towel and wrapped her up in it. Damn. I was like, why'd you do that? There's a, there's a story about uh, a woman hears a knock at her door. She opens the door, looks around, there's nobody there. Closes the door. A little bit later, there's another lock, knock on the door. She opens the door, looks around, and finally looks down on the ground, and there's a snail. In its shell, everything. She's like, ugh, and throws it off into the grass. Two years later, there's a knock at her door. She opens the door, looks around, then she looks back down on the ground. And the snail's down there, looks up at her and says, well, what the hell was that about? <sighs> Whatever. So I spent all of yesterday pretty much exhausted. I think I'm caught up. But I'm in a place in my life where I can't even I can't even kill a spider and feel good about it. Damnedest thing. So that was that was my weekend. And I did what I could to sort of clear my... The news in the last few weeks, months, has been so almost consistently dreadful that I take my weekends now to kind of unplug. Like a dum-dum, I watched the Mountaineer game on Saturday. Felt like I had time-traveled back to the Don Nealon era. Watched my Mountaineers playing at home on homecoming. Um, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Damn it. Yeah, I know. Brother Deacon Asa says, Peter's going to fuck you up, you spider murderer. I am. I feel terrible. 
She was probably just trying to feed her family. Spider killer. But there was, there was an old Night Gallery episode, Rod Serling, you know, Night Gallery was the successor to uh, uh, the Twilight Zone. And I remember being traumatized early because there was a, oh, there was an episode about somebody who saw a spider in their sink and they flushed it down the toilet and it didn't, it didn't die or drown and it came back up out of the, it came back up through the plumbing to attack whoever it was and wreak vengeance and, huh. I don't know. But we have a brand new week, brand new week of dysfunction, mayhem, madness, horror. And we will get to it all. Uh, Ralph sent this to me early on um, or, as the program got started. This is interesting. Uh, Randy Radar says... Uh, you must have inadvertently consumed some caffeine, possibly in the form of chocolate or hot cocoa. No, no, no chocolate or hot cocoa. I just wasn't, uh, wasn't sleepy. I don't know. Uh, but Ralph sent this story along um, uh, with links uh, from Democratic Underground with links to express.co.uk and the mirror.co.uk and then even from msn.com I don't think it's an MSN story but uh, from something called the Daily Record according to a Telegram channel and remember Telegram is a messaging app owned by, by uh, Mother Moscovy And the story also reports the Mirror article that Vlad Pudi had to be resuscitated after suffering a cardiac arrest last night, Sunday night. Uh, it may be, uh, it may be bullshit because the Telegram channel uh, has uh, is said to have some. Kremlin folks in it, but also some opponents. The channel is called General SVR. And, but the mirror story says that doctors had to resuscitate him before they took him to a special intensive care facility that is within the official Putin residence. Doctors performed resuscitation having previously determined that the president was in cardiac arrest. Help was provided on time, the heart was started, and Putin regained consciousness. Of course, the Kremlin was silent, but they have long said that he is in the peak of good health, and apparently the same doctor who said that Nitwit Nero would live to be 200 says the same thing about Putin. The Telegram channel reports that at about 21.05 Moscow time, 
security officers of Russian President Vladimir Putin, who were on duty at the residence, heard noise and sounds of falling coming from the President's bedroom. Two security officers immediately followed into President's bedroom and saw Putin lying on floor next to bed and an overturned table with food and drinks. Probably when President fell, he hit table and dishes and knocked him onto the floor, which caused the noise. Putin convulsively arched while lying on floor, rolling his eyes. The doctors who were on duty at residence and located in one of the adjacent rooms were immediately called. President was moved to a specially equipped room in his residence where necessary medical equipment for resuscitation had already been installed. True, not true, who knows? But why would you have a resuscitation unit if he was in perfect health? Well, I, no, no, that's irre- unreasonable. I'm sure there's something similar uh, in the Capitol. Maybe two, one on each side, and something similar in the White House. Maybe even in the Supreme Court of the United States. They get health care, you know, the best in the world. But this is a little bit nutty because it talks about body double for Vladimir Putin. So I'm you know, calling me skeptical. Um, so ah, it's Monday. That's a Monday thing. Uh, Christopher in Oregon says uh, Robin's spider spy. Haven't you heard, Robin? The check. The Tricoms have been sending little spy bots disguised as spiders to make sure we're all actively engaged on our TikTok accounts. There's a secret signal included in the vaccines that draws them to us. Happy Moran Monday, Horn family. The Morans you have always with ye. Isn't that the truth? Emilio says, uh, she crawled on my arm the second time. Is that when the spider asked... Uh, so is Kevin loose yet again? You squished her, you monster. Maybe her spiderlings will come out of their human host's ear and have their revenge. Don't, don't stop that. Just, no. Well, that's true too. George and Gold subject line, John Entwistle's Boris the Spider, the Who. Creepy crawly, creepy crawly, creepy, creepy crawly, crawly, Boris the Spider. I remember Boris the Spider. Steve wanting to know the, spy, the spider's name was Charlotte. Oh, don't name her. Quit that. Okay, Matt, you're off and running. Matt in San Francisco. Eight legs matter. What's a girl to do? Yes, yes. Stories of stories of being awakened by spiders. That's the kind of scintillating broadcasting you've tuned into the horn for for near twenty years. Just another day. But I've I've, I've rescued spiders just like her. I, and we live in the country. You're going to have spiders. Of course, where Annette's concerned, 
they're all brown recluses, right? They're all brown recluses. It wasn't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the species was, but you know, grass spider or something like that. And Arnold and PA getting in on the action. Spider murderer. We have a basement full of them. It's okay. It's okay to kill everything else. <sighs> yeah. Uh, too bad, says Brother Deacon Asa, that we don't have Johnny Cash this time around to let us know whether dear Russian leader is dead or not. Or Chevy Chase. Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. And not to not to not to delve too deeply into pop culture, but I accidentally watched Saturday Night Live because, like I said, I wasn't sleeping. UCLA was blowing the doors off of uh, somebody. Washington was str- Washington struggled to beat poor, lowly, one-win Arizona State at home. And so then it was like, okay, Saturday night. Wow, was it not funny. Definitely the not ready for primetime players. Just badly unfunny. Oh, well. Although, and I had the sound down at one point. There was a cameo by Mick Jagger. Did I see that right? So here we are with another week as we head toward the uh, what 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 do we call what shall we call this the uh, constructive shutdown because the uh, the Congress. can't do anything they're paralyzed and so we are perilously close to shutting down with nine candidates nine candidates for speaker None of whom are worth a damn, but in a uh, in an unintended Star Trek reference, seven of nine of the House Speaker candidates are 2020 election deniers. Seven of nine. 
Uh, they are, of course, all men. Um, speaker candidates Jack Bergman, that's General Jack Bergman to you, Buster, of Michigan, Byron Donalds of Florida, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Stan, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, Stan, Gary Palmer of Alabama, and Pete Sessions of Texas, Stan, all of them, all of them objected to certification of uh, the 2020 election results in Arizona and Pennsylvania. Uh, Representative Dan Muser of Pennsylvania said no, he objected to his home state's results. Only representing Tom Emmer of Minnesota Stan. No, not Minnesota Stan. There's no Stan in Minnesota. And Austin Powers Scott, congressional man of mystery from Georgia Stan, did not object to the results. They are nonetheless maggots. And if I read the schedule incorrectly, in about an hour this evening, because today was a come-back-to-work day, and all the members of Congress are supposed to be back by now, but at about 6.30, the maggot carcass is supposed to gather to feed on itself, at which point they will make pitches, to see who will uh, maybe garner the support of most of the body. Of course, the eight mutineers are still out there. And they will veto anyone they don't like. So this all still seems to me uh, political, bad political theater. Transparently bad political theater to me, to us, because we can see it as it happens. We understand what's going on. This is all just a dumb show to make it look like they're trying to do what they're supposed to do, you know, select a speaker. When in fact there's a significant number of them who want to see the government shut down. And all they have to do is continue this farce, and farce it is, until November the 17th, which is not that far away. That's 24 days. And they're only going to work like 12 of them. Now, some of the mutineers are barking and grunting, because this is, this, and they're, and they're doing so in order to make it look like, you know, to, to, to fool people into thinking they want to do their jobs. They don't. Uh, from that birdcage liner, the Washington Examiner, and a, uh, a, a poor soul with no self-respect named Cami Mondo, who is an ink-stained or pixel-stained wretch there. Members of the Feedem Carcass are demanding demanding that Congress not go into a two-week recess. So there's not even really 12 days. 
Congress has a scheduled two-week recess that begins this Friday. And they don't come, I guess it's their Halloween break. But they don't come back until the second week of November, at which point there will be no time to avert a shutdown. Which again is the point. So in order to make it appear that they're serious, you know, that they're serious, uh, the freedom carcass, the freedom carcass, in a statement issued today said, Republican leadership should have kept Republicans in Washington over the weekend. Our work is not done. In fact, we are starting at ground zero after Jim Jordan, arguably one of the most popular Republicans in the country, was rejected by House Republicans. We must proceed with all possible speed and determination. Ah, there's always a giveaway. All possible speed is one adjective away from all deliberate speed, which means no speed at all. Hmm, see how it works? All possible speed. If they really meant it, they could have not given themselves away and said, uh, uh, proceed with great haste and determination. And that's not quite so weaselly. But you can see that the, the, the main thrust of it is that they're still butthurt, but Jim Jacket off Jordan didn't make it. The fee dumb carcass memo went on and said, Intentional and unnecessary delays must end. It serves only the lobbyists of the swamp and defenders of the status quo to continue to drag out the process. Drag? Yeah. Meanwhile, representing Andy Ogles of Tennistan this past Friday said, and remember, Andy Ogles is the guy who gets up every morning and thanks God for George Anthony DeVolder, Kaiser Wilhelm II Santos, because he's... Uh, uh, his fraud has somehow managed to keep eyes off of Andy Ogle's fraud because, well, he he made up his career too. Uh, uh, Andy Ogle said, "For me, there's a sense of urgency. Clearly, not with some of leadership because they're sending us home." Andy, I hate to break it to you, sugar, but you don't have any leadership. That's why you're in this mess. We shouldn't stop and go home just because it's the weekend. Golly, Sergeant Carter. Wait till somebody explains to Andy Ogles about the Constitution. It's all, it's, it's all, it's all a fraud. It's for the rubes. 
It's not for people who are paying attention and understand what the hell's going on. Oh, hell no. But we had another one of those uh, had another one of those moments over on MSNBC today. And I'm not no, I'm, I, I'm, this is all a big shtick. This is just a joke. But um, oh, and thank you, Christopher, over at Venmo. Christopher uh, kicked in and said, "Double my catsup for the clean up the ketchup challenge," courtesy of TJ in Des Moines. Double my ketchup. Catsup. C-A-T-S-U-P. And so we're down to 990 to go on that challenge. Thank you for being the first through the door there, Christopher. Thank you so much. Uh, but what I was saying, we had another one of those MSNBC moments where something gets said that has been out there for about at least a month on this program. Because again, Lord, for coming up on 18 and then 20 years, this program has been so far out ahead of the curve, it's like we're on a straight road. And so it is. That today, on MSNBC, uh, former federal prosecutor Joyce Vance was asked to discuss Judge Tanya Chutkin's having paused her gag order at the request of Nitwit Nero. Uh, That pause pissed a lot of people off. But there were reasons. And curiously, the reason that Joyce Vance gave is exactly the same reason that I've been explaining for a month or more about why Nitwit Nero is getting away with all this vituperative horseshit that he's been pumping into the body politic. Uh, the judge there slapped Trump with a violation of the gag order. Uh, we all recall it was a few weeks ago. Trump had posted uh, about a, a law clerk there, a person who worked for the judge. He was reprimanded. He took it down. It turns out that that posting was still on the campaign website. The campaign says it was a mistake. The judge said he believed them, uh, but still offered just a, so a $5,000 fine for Trump. But noteworthy that it's, A, the first time that a gag order penalty has been issued. So it's seemingly, I'm curious to get your take, whether you think that opens the door for more. And secondly, we should note, because Trump got a reprieve on this gag order, he spent last night, well, seemingly violating it. Uh, he went after Jack Smith again by name, called him deranged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Trump is clearly playing with fire here. Barb, how do you see this playing out? Could we see stiffer penalties in the future? 
Yes, and you know, I, I was actually impressed with Judge Engeron in New York assessing this fine, even though it's relatively low, $5,000 for Donald Trump, I suppose, is not a huge number. But I fully expected a warning for the first offense uh, and then escalating levels of sanctions. Uh, instead, he hit him right away with $5,000 and made it clear he was not going to tolerate any future violations. And you know, he's making a record. He's going on record of saying these are serious matters. I would imagine if there's a second offense, that number gets higher. And the ultimate card that the judge holds is jail. Now, uh, Donald Trump certainly seems to be testing a different judge, Judge Chutkin, in federal court. And he may perceive that he has a little bit of a window of opportunity because there is uh, another hearing on this matter. He said he's going to appeal and he wants a stay of that order. And it is stayed until there can be that hearing. So it may be that he's taking advantage of his last few days uh, of, of opportunity before he does that. But I think Judge Chutkin would be wise to watch what's happening in New York, because the only way to stop him is to sanction him with making a record and escalating levels. Ultimately, she has that ultimate card of jailing him. So Joyce Barton led me exactly to what I wanted to ask you, is this idea of Judge Chutkin, who has stayed uh, through the own gag order there, at least for now. What's your analysis here? Is she, is she seeing, A, what just happened in the New York case, and B, these more screeds on Truth Social uh, from Trump? Do we think she'll move on this? So she's an experienced judge, and she's doing exactly the right thing here. She's building a record, because it's important if you're thinking about sanctioning a defendant for violating a gag order to make sure that whatever you do will be upheld on appeal. You don't want to impose a sanction just to have the Court of Appeals reverse you. Judge Chutkin has been very careful, and you'll remember, Jonathan, we've talked about this before. This was the case where the magistrate judge at arraignment took the unusual step of cautioning Trump and of making sure he understood that as one of his conditions of release, he was not supposed to do anything that would discuss witnesses, court personnel, that he needed to be careful about not violating those rules. So this is a court that from the get-go has been looking forward to the moment where Donald Trump inevitably violates a gag order. Judge Chutkin is making sure that she's giving him, I think, essentially enough rope to hang himself here. We've seen what happens when she stays the gag order. Trump goes ahead and violates what it would look like if it was in place. She's just making the case on appeal stronger. All right. Former U.S. Wow. attorneys Barbara McQuaid, go blue, yeah. and Joyce Vance. We saved the best for last. Alabama, third Saturday in October, was looking rough the first half, but uh, we ended <laughs> strong. You could hear the cheers swell up in my neighborhood, Joe, especially as our kicker, Will Reichard, became the player in the SEC to score the most points of all time. A real proud moment. Um, roll Tide. All Roll right. Tide. <laughs> <sighs> it's nice to see they can be vacuous too. But there she is, Joyce Vance, who is a former U.S. U.S. attorney, saying something that has been said for weeks, months even. As long as these indictments have been out there, about how a judge handles bad behavior on his part. Uh, the one thing neither of them mentioned that I think is uh, is valid, and it's something uh, Steve brought, Steve in New York brought up, there's always the remedy of moving up the trial date. 
that remedy is available to Judge Chutkin. She is in charge of how her court runs. And she can say, listen, if you've got enough time to be doing all this, you've got enough time to, 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 to come try the case. And what did I say? She's building a record. Make sure what, what you do will be upheld on an appeal. You don't want the Court of Appeals to reverse you. You want to present them with, an, uh, with uh, the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court. You want to present them with an absolutely pristine record of judicial probity. You know, this is the Caesar's wife stuff, above reproach. You can wait and you can wait a couple of months and watch the multimillionaire for-profit media say it, or you can, you know, tell your friends and neighbors that we know this stuff and we talk about this stuff before they ever, ever, ever get around to it. And now, Nitwit Nero is telling the maggots, stochastic terrorism, y'all, we know how that works. Uh, he's telling uh, his maggots to hammer Tom Emmer. Now, Tom Emmer is a 2020 election denier. He's one of the seven dwarfs who voted to overturn the election results and not certify Pennsylvania and, and Arizona. The funny thing is, this was at two days after t talking to em Nitwit Nero, talked to Emmer on the phone. And told him maybe to go for it. And so starting early this morning, uh, Nitwit Nero's surrogates and mouthpieces started talking smack on Tom Emmer to Politico. And one maggot said that Emmer is openly hostile to Trump. It's laughable that he, at the end of the day, would end up being the Speaker of the House. Even if he gets the majority of the majority, he'll come far short of me for members who won't vote for him on the floor. And now, 30 minutes from their 6.30 meeting of the carcass, we wait to see how it all plays out. I guess each of the nine will get a chance to stand up and talk about how much he hates Joe Biden and how Joe Biden's leading us into World War III. When the most surefire way to have World War III is to let Putin roll over Ukraine and get busy with uh, Latvia or Estonia, Poland. Another report today saying that Nitwit Nero, should he re-enter the White House, 
is fixing, we say fixing here, is fixing to pull the United States out of NATO. That would be that that would be a very very Trump thing to do, without a doubt. And uh, again, the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells. Is telling uh, is is telling people to and uh, again, maybe he should get a visit from some humorless people with uh, narrow black ties and black suits. Who, uh, we don't want to use that language, uh, racist Bannon. Where they're going to go through a process? I think they've got nine folks, including Tom Emmer. Remember, Tom Emmer's the biggest of all the never Trump uh, congressmen out there. He's a guy who hates Trump. Bad mouths him all the time. He went out of his way to make sure when he ran NRCC to make sure he killed the Joe Kents of the world and all the uh, all the pro MAGA anti-establishment candidates. It was Emmer was the guy that took him out. Uh, a super bad guy, and he's running today. So, and I want to put it in perspective. Once we take Emmer out, this is what you've accomplished. This has never been done before in American history. You've taken out the Speaker of the House. You've taken out the majority leader to be speaker. You've taken out Jim Jordan. And Jim Jordan 2.0 was part of leadership. And as you know, the reason I believe he did not get across it was not a – it was more of a Fox thing than a MAGA thing. Jim Jordan was more of a conservative than a populist nationalist. He had lost his fire. He had lost – ever since he joined McCarthy's leadership team over the last couple of years, it had been weak. And, uh, and, of course, in the last year, people have been underwhelming. Jim Jordan's a good man. He's a solid man. But you can tell it's just not the fire there. Then if you take out Emmers, who's the whip, in less than three weeks, the, the people, the populace, the MAGA, the deplorables, you have taken out basically 12 years of leadership, what they've worked on for 12 years as the cartel's leadership apparatus. It's whip operation, the McCarthy staff, the Scalise staff, you, with your phone calls and your muscles, and oftentimes with your congressman not even working with you, you have destroyed the cartel's control of the Republican side of Capitol Hill. If you take out Emory, look at the other eight. Hey, there's some good people there. And there's some. We put up a chart to make sure that you see where they voted on the debt ceiling and others. It's, it seems to me if you voted for McCarthy's debt ceiling deal, the worst in history, you can't possibly be considered a serious candidate. But we'll leave that forever. The first thing to do is to stop Emory today. Once Emmer stopped, just want to repeat this. You have decapitated the what they've invested with the cartel, the lobbyists, the corporatists, Wall Street. They've invested over 12 years. This is their team. And remember, it's all those staffs. It's all those political operatives. It's all the Jeff Millers of the world with, uh, with McCarthy decapitated. You, this audience did that. Nobody else did that. You did this. You did this by, by the pressure campaign. This is why they were crying. The pressure campaign doesn't work. The pressure campaign doesn't work. 202-225-3121. We still have a lot of work to do this week. And remember, the, this is how desperate it is. McCarthy, uh, believe me, thinks he's coming back. Why do I say that? Look at the Hill. The lead story in the Hill is that McCarthy's needed if, if uh, the House is to get control of the spending. I'm not making this up. 
He basically says he's the only one that can deal with the CR and to make sure it's not omnibus. He's pitching you hard, ladies and gentlemen, this audience, to let him back in. I think we got the answer. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yep, that's it. Not going to happen. Okay, we got a lot of work to do. 2022. Dude, take out Emmer. Is there a scope involved with that? Racist Bannon? And then, of course, all the leading lights of maggotry are chiming in, uh, in including that... Uh, Squeaky little castrato, Ben Drywife Shapiro. It's like listening. It's like listening to a, a long-form auctioneer. Who actually has a little bit of a point, which is curious, as idiots go. Namely that. Some some contingent of the maggots don't want to govern so much as much as they want to just squeak and squeal and bark and grunt and hoot and howl and bray. The first rule of politics is this. Never run directly into a tree while kicking yourself repeatedly in the nuts. Republicans in Congress seem to have forgotten this rule. Two weeks ago, Representative Matt Gates of Florida... Alone- Bear in mind... This this little dude is so hung up and conflicted he can't get he he can't get ten seconds into his clip without mentioning genitalia. Seems to be a thing with him. This is another one of those that I got a five dollar bet with my bookie in London on being uh, caught with a man in his mouth. And with limelight seeking compatriots like Representative Nancy Mace decided it was time to get rid of Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. What? Sure, McCarthy had only been Speaker for approximately five minutes. And sure, in that time, McCarthy had defeated Joe Biden in a standoff over a continuing resolution and was preparing to pry concessions out of Senate Democrats that amounted to a cut in discretionary spending plus border funding. But it was time for McCarthy to go. Why? Because of the establishment. That's why. Now, you may be asking, what is the establishment? It sounds bad. Well, apparently, defining the establishment, it's a little like asking someone to capture the wind in a bottle or to strap starlight with one's hands. Sometimes the establishment means Republicans who are in favor of fiscal responsibility, like that establishment toady Paul Ryan. Sometimes the establishment means Republicans who want to expand the size and scope of government, like that establishment rhino, George W. Bush. Sometimes the establishment means Republicans who are socially conservative, like that establishment stooge Mike Pence. Sometimes the establishment means Republicans who are socially liberal, like that establishment pawn, Susan Collins. Sometimes the establishment means people who are hawkish on foreign policy, like that establishment dunce, Lindsey Graham. Sometimes the establishment means people who are dovish on foreign policy, like that establishment doofus, John Huntsman. Well, the term establishment used to have a meaning. It used to mean a person with power who is too conciliatory to left-wing positions. But during Donald Trump's presidency, when he was, you know, the actual... And th- th- this goes on and on, and this is a case of this squeaky little freak being right for all the wrong reasons. Once again, we talked about this a long time ago, back when I was a neoliberal establishment shell. 
Sometimes words get so overused and so abused that they cease to have relevant meaning, like neoliberal, establishment, shill. Both sides, this is one case where both siderism applies. Both sides do it. The only difference here is I can do this without a script, whereas poor little, uh, poor little Benny Drywife Shapiro has to read his shit. President, we learned that power had nothing to do with it. Donald Trump, the most powerful person on the planet, wasn't the establishment. During Trump's presidency, we learned that friendliness to left-wing positions didn't make you establishment either. After all, it was Donald Trump who declared that entitlement programs and the single biggest drivers of America's debt were off the table for discussion. So, what makes someone establishment? Today, the answer, insufficient posturing. That's it. That's like the whole thing. Posturing. See, the only way to avoid being labeled establishment these days is to get nothing done but to yell really, really, really loudly, particularly about the establishment. To be anti-establishment is to complain about losing elections while doing nothing to win them. It's to shout that the game is rigged while refusing to even engage in the game at all. Being anti-establishment has turned into just whining. It's about showing what you're against by posturing and then telling your audience that if you posture theatrically enough, wave your hands around a lot, your opposition will just surrender. Passing legislation? Nah. Recognizing reality? Mm -mm. Doing any of that is surrender to the opposition. Hell, you can even vote with Democrats to take down a Republican Speaker of the House with no backup plan, and you will be considered anti-establishment, all because you yell about the establishment. Now, here's the thing. That's fun and games in the commentary. Uh, what's, what's, what's cute here is that he's clearly aiming this pretty specifically at the mutineers. We have so far had two minutes and 47 seconds of this uh, politico-psychobabble from this little creep. Who, by the way, why is he still... Uh, oh, he's, oh, he's been very butch about Israel lately. Why is he not on a plane? No, really. Why, why is he not on a plane... To go and jine up with the IDF. He's young enough. Get with it, Benny. Trust me, Mrs. Shapiro will not miss you. That's what that funny thing that's uh, got the little rabbit-shaped thingy on it is for. Because, Lord, never mind. Get with it. Pick up, pick up, pick up thy, 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 thy automatic weapon and go forth. Great. After all, in my industry, it's easy to... Yeah, you know what? No kidding. Uh, the IDF is a conscript army. Everybody, every young Israeli, man, woman, or non-binary, has to serve for two years. Uh, here's here's the uh, uh, here's the uh, uh, horn poll question for the evening. If little Benny Drywife Shapiro was to feel all patriotic like and go over to Israel and join up with the IDF, he would of course demand to be an officer. And how long would it take for the, his command to frag him? Oh, really? How long? Just a, would it be a grenade just rolled into the tent? Or an oopsie-friendly fire incident? How long? 
Jesus, he's obnoxious. Remain ideologically pure. The beauty of what people like me do for a living is we can speak on what we wish would happen, what the best of all possible worlds would be. We can point out where our politicians are falling short of our principles. We keep pressure on the politicians. That's our job. But when it comes to we comments, can advocate in favor of genocide for stagnation and disaster. And still make millions. That's because, believe it or not, Americans expect that budgets will be passed. They expect that legislation will be crafted. And if you don't do these things, Americans will put you in the minority status in the halls of power permanently. Now, because which, by the way, would be great for him. None of these right wing gas bags can succeed when they're in power. I remember when uh, Bill Clinton became president, and for uh, the first two years, you know, there was a Democratic majority in the House, and uh, fat, dead Rush Limbaugh, who's very busy right now. There's a pineapple concern in perdition that is intimately associated with him. Fat dead Rush Limbaugh would introduce his show every day, America Under Siege. Every day. And sit there and piss and moan and bark and whine and lie. It's great for them when they're out of power because there's no responsibility and they can just sit there and spew their hate. Because Republicans have to deal with a very slim majority in the House, a Democratic Senate, and Democratic President, any Speaker of the House will have to fall short of perfectly performative opposition. Being Speaker of a fractious caucus faced with a minority position in the upper chamber and White House necessarily means cutting deals, not just posturing. That was true for Kevin McCarthy. It would have been true of Steve Scalise. It would have been true of Jim Jordan, too. If Matt Gates suddenly became Speaker, it would be true for him as well. Our Congress, though, has now been filled with people responding to the incentive structure created for the commentariat. Get attention and money for posturing, not legislating. You yell about the establishment, i.e. anyone who does anything in Congress, and you win points. So, according to Matt Gates, Kevin McCarthy was the establishment, and that meant he had to be defenestrated in favor of, well, someone or no one, or maybe someone who is a no one. We don't actually know, actually, yet. What we do know is that the speaker will not be Kevin McCarthy, he of the 78% Heritage Action Score. And it won't be Steve Scalise. He of the 82%. So we have a split of opinion between the man who looks like rancid hot dog water smells and the boy who makes Mickey Mouse sound like James Earl Jones. Does Kevin McCarthy want to be speaker again? Rancid hot dog water says yes. Squeaky boy here says no. Heritage Action Score or Jim Jordan, who has the same 82% Heritage Action Score. Maybe it will be Tom Emmer, who also has an 82% Heritage Action Score, but probably not. And it probably won't be Patrick McHenry, who also has an 82% Heritage Action Score. It won't even be Matt Gates, who has an 84% Heritage Action Score. Actually, it'll probably be no one for a good while longer. Meanwhile, Oh, I thought he was going to connect the dot there for a minute. It'll be it'll be no one until the government's shut down. But Benny Drywife Shapiro is just not that smart. Oh, Biden. Or else he doesn't want to smarten up the chumps. We'll work to ram through a $105 billion defense package that includes $60 billion for Ukraine and $10 billion for Gaza. 
All it will take is peeling off a few Republicans to vote with the Democrats. Again, now, you know who could have helped stop that? Who could have proposed, say, a single-issue spending bill on foreign policy? A Speaker of the House. But we don't have one. But at least the establishment was stopped. That's the important thing. And there's good news. If Republicans keep losing the way they did in 2018 and 2020 and 2021 and 2022, they're not going to have to worry about being establishment because they won't have any power at all. Note that none of this has anything to do with principle. It has nothing to do with conservatism or victory. It has to do instead with applause and cash and fame. Says a guy who lives and breathes applause and cash and fame. Is he afraid somebody's coming for his job? But for many people in the Republican Party, that's apparently good enough. It should not be. Republicans can still win. They can still push the ball forward for conservatism. But to do that, they need to think about how to win, not merely how to posture and yell and get on TV. They'll need to stop running directly into trees. If they do not, all they will end up with is a minority position in Congress, a Democrat in the White House, and a terrible, terrible ball ache. He begins and ends with his fascination with male genitalia. Oh, aren't you butch, little Benny Drywife Shapiro. (sighs) Meanwhile, in this ongoing comedy of stupidity, It looks like Fox News TV Radio Rwanda is uh, getting behind representing Byron Donalds, who hasn't even been in the House of Representatives for four full years, two full terms. And Donald's is still an election denier. And since they can't have Jim Jacket off Jordan, right-wing media seems poised to get behind Byron. He's been on Fox, according to Media Matters, for uh, he's been on Fox 193 times since August 2017. And uh, he's been uh, interviewed on Fox nearly four times as often as another speaker candidate, Mike Johnson. He's been on Fox nine times as many to- uh, as often as Tom Emmer. On Friday, the dumbest man in talk radio. That life support system for a haircut, Sean, the Hannity job, said, Byron Donald's name is probably the name I hear the most. (sighs) You know, that, that, that just strikes me as something that could happen. Because it would be really, really dumb. Oh, and speaking of Butch, 
Goodness me. Uh, Miss Lindsay. Uh, uh, Dunn went to Israel. We're pronouncing Israel the way that uh, Mika does. Israel. And, and, and he got real, uh, no, uh, Miss Lindsay got real butch, but he did so at a question in Israel from Daniel Cohen of Newsmuck at a press conference earlier today. Uh, Daniel Cohen wanted him to denounce Representative Rashida Tlaib. Kids who were decapitated, nothing. Silence. When I asked that question in the tr- most respectful way I possibly could, here's my back and forth with Senator Graham. For being here. My family lives here. I made Aliyah two years ago. So this is personal. I know many people were sent from the United States and there's international press uh, from around the world. And I heard every single one of you voicing your support for Israel fervently, stridently. And, and I heard that, and I received that into my heart. And so on behalf of my family and, and people, I'm, I'm an American and an Israeli citizen, I say thank you. But it starts at home. And, and I'd like to ask any Democrat senator here that would like to speak to Rashida Tlaib. She still has a tweet up condemning Israel for a hospital attack. We are here together not to talk about the problems at home, which are many. It's a fair I've question, I've got my senator. own view of what to say. You're not going to screw this up. I'm not trying to screw it up. Get this guy out of here. Now, let me tell you. I'm an Israeli. I want an answer to the question, please. I'm an American. And I am, too. And I believe in free speech. I don't believe what the squad has to say at all. But I came here with Democrats and Republicans to let everybody in the world know, don't judge every Democrat by the squad, and don't judge every Republican by some of the things you hear. Where the the House... Yeah. For the House, they'll get their act together, but we need to do our job. We need to do our job in the Senate. We need to pass a bill that will help Israel, help Ukraine. That's at least what I think. I think the House will show up. And I'm sorry, my friend, I probably shouldn't have said it, but my nerves are raw right now. To which I said, exactly, Senator, everyone in Israel Everyone's nerves are raw. Everybody who's had 7,400-plus rockets launched at them and toward them. And I have to tell you, right after that news conference, it was pretty shortly after I asked that question, it ended. Senator Susan Collins from Maine approached me. She came up to me, and she said, I'm sorry for what Senator Graham said. Uh, And she easily condemned Hamas. She easily condemned the things I was just describing to you. Shut up. I, for once in my life, I agree with Lindsey Graham. Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Kramla Jayapal, Ilhan Omar. None of them are praising Hamas. But sadly... There has been an intellectual fake perpetrated whereby suggesting that it's probably wrong to slaughter Palestinian children out of a sense of vengeful retribution for a hateful attack 
a dirty, hateful attack. Yeah, suggesting maybe it's not okay to kill children in, in revenge. That's supporting Hamas. And that is so much disingenuous horseshit. Plain and simple. But poor Lindsay, his nerves are raw right now. Yes. Uh, he, he, prob- he, he probably needs a Xanax. But it was a bipartisan trip to Israel. Um, Cory Booker was there. Susan Collins was there. Richard Blumenthal was there. Jesus Christ. So... Yeah, we, we see we see the shaping we see the shaping of the story. And there were there were about three stories when I tuned into uh, my filthy morning habit, Israel. Nitwit Nero's judicial problems. And Nitwit Nero's mouth running. We had an earlier clip, the one of uh, Joyce Vance saying something I've been saying for months. But then there's the question of the plea of Kenneth Cheesebro and the pleas of the Kraken lawyer, Squidney Powell. Is to plead guilty. Chesbro entered the plea on Friday as jury selection for his trial was underway. He was charged with one felony count of conspiracy to commit filing false documents. He faces five years of probation and a $5,000 fine, among other terms. He will also be required to provide documents and evidence to the state. Chesbro had rejected an earlier deal and was set to stand trial alone after co-defendant Sidney Powell took a deal Last week, as for Powell, Trump is now claiming she was never actually his lawyer. Really? Yeah, but he, that's but, interesting. I'm so confused because he used to say she was right. in a, in, so in a post on Truth Social. Truth, Truth, <laughs> Social. We put that in. Call quote. it Tripe, Joe. Call it Tripe uh, Social. Trump you heard said, it here first. Quote: Ms. Powell was not my attorney and never was. Huh. However, that contradicts a November 2020 tweet in which Trump. Wrote Powell and had joined his legal. <laughs> wrote that she had joined his legal team, and the team was being spearheaded by Trump's former personal attorney Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> A truly great team. Wow, Giuliani Wonderful also lawyers. confirmed Powell's involvement during a November 2020 press conference. Uh, this is um, representative of our legal team. We're representing uh, President Trump, and we're representing the Trump campaign. Uh, when I finish, uh, Sidney Powell and then and then Jenna Ellis will follow me. 
there are a lot more lawyers working on this, but we're the, I guess we're the, we're the senior lawyers. Oh, those were the salad days. Senior lawyers who spent a lot of time God. in the White House. That's bringing that in is... former U.S. Yeah. <laughs> the senior lawyer team. Uh, maybe he meant senior citizens. I, I, I don't know. Hard to tell. Uh, but see, here's the. This is the fun part about cheese, bro. Um, Squidney Powell is getting to plead to misdemeanors. Kenneth Cheesebro is pleading to a felony. In particular, he is pleading guilty to count 15. Count 15 is important because by entering that guilty plea, he is stating unequivocally under oath that he engaged in a conspiracy. with Donald J. Trump to overturn the 2020 election. Over at The Guardian, Hugo Lowell wrote, At issue for Trump is that Cheesebro's plea in uh, Fulton County required him to admit guilt to count 15 that Trump and Cheesebro and others violated the law in faking in filing the fake electors certificate and thereby affirm that the fake electors were indeed fraudulent the fact that Cheesebro gave a statement means that if it were to be shared with the special counsel federal prosecutors in Washington could use that to bolster their conspiracy to defraud case against Trump now, regardless of if and when Cheesebro takes the stand in Georgia. And then, even if Jack Smith calls Cheesebro to testify in the D.C. trial before Judge Chutkin, and he pleads the Fifth Amendment against self-incrimination, because it is a separate charge and separate count and separate law even. Jack Smith still has Cheesebro's statement under oath in Georgia stating that he did in fact engage in a criminal conspiracy with Julius Geezer to defraud the state of Georgia and overturn the election. That's a bad, bad place if you're Julius Geezer. And that's why, in point of fact, well, that's why everything, but in particular, it's why he's losing his shit over on Tripe Social. And once again, calling Jack Smith deranged. See how it works? That's how it works. Everything is under his skin now.
nothing bounces off. Everything, everything drills in. Mitt Romney's book has been published and is being read. Uh, 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 Bishop Willard got interviewed uh, yesterday on CBS. He said, uh, I don't think I've heard a single member of my caucus, the Republicans in the Senate, say, you know, Donald Trump is great. Aren't we lucky to have him as our leader? And so Nitwit Nero then today found a an article that criticizes Romney's book, Romney, A Reckoning, by McKay Coppin. And then triped the following. Mitt Romney, a total loser that only a mother could love. He would know something about that, don't you think? Just wrote a book, which is much like him, boring, horrible, and totally predictable. Because he read it. Sure. I'm very proud to be the one who forced this left-leaning rhino out of politics. He wanted to run so badly, but he knew he couldn't win in the great state of Utah without my endorsement and support, so he quit. His crummy book says nothing good about anybody other than rhino Paul Rhino, who may be worse and even dumber than Mitt himself. He begged me for Secretary of State. I didn't give him the job, nor did I ever intend to. I just wanted to prove a point that Mitt Romney is and always has been a lightweight joke. He's been busy today, Nitwit Nero. By the way, a few a few emails here, um, Steve, with some observations. Bannon. Honestly, Robin, I don't have any idea what he actually said. Am I alone? I kept hearing you did this, but I can't figure out what the this is. I can't figure out who the you are. And as to uh, little Benny, fast-talking morons, little Benny drive vagina Shapiro and Jim Nambla adjacent Jordan speak very fast when I actually listen and endanger my brain. I haven't a clue of what they mean. It occurs to me, Steve continues, the only thing Benny dry wife cares about is that everyone sees the GOP for what they are a group of people who not only don't want to govern but aren't capable of it. But he has influence. And the influence of uh, the Daily Caller and him and Candio and Matt Dysphoria Beard Walsh on the lives of very real, very fragile, very marginalized people has been more than profound. I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there's some alliance demeaning freedom or uh, American families for families that are American, you know, tax-free grift money going into their coffers. Going to go out on a limb, Steve says. Killing children is always fucking bad. Robin, I've spent a lot of hours this weekend crying inside and outwardly about the killing of men, women, and children who have nothing to do with the Hamas attack. Can we not at least agree that killing children is bad? I don't think so. Because it always seems to come with a caveat. Well, yes, killing children is bad, and it is to be avoided, but, you know, sometimes it's just inevitable. 
Don't mean to, we just happen to. See? And Hamas would say the same thing as, as, as the Israeli government. They both say the same thing. Uh, yeah, we don't want to kill children, but, you know, sometimes you just have to. Oh, well. Oopsie. As to Squidney Powell, Steve says, but she made a great cup of espresso. Oh, that was that was dark and bitter. The espresso, not the remark. And uh, remember, there's nine hundred and ninety dollars of uh, TJ's clean up the ketchup challenge on the table. Um, our dear friend Christopher was the first through the door responding to that. And Steve in New York said, "I'd like to offer a twenty-five dollar fuck Susan Collins challenge." I don't know if you're going to get any takers on that. For rather obvious reasons. But it's there. The $25 fuck Susan Collins challenge is on the table, along with uh, the $990 uh, clean, up the, clean, up, clean up the ketchup challenge. Oh, Randy Radar. When visiting, my brother stomped a huge spider that was crawling across my basement floor. It left bloodstains that are there to this day. Visitors must think that I'm chopping up body parts down there. L. Yeah, the spider kind of crunched when I squished her between the, in the paper towel. It felt terrible. Exoskeleton and all that. That's the downside of eating lobsters or crabs. That crunch of the exoskeleton. Well, you know, there went dinner in the central daylight time zone. We're at the halfway point of the program. This is Conversation Radio. Uh, If you've got something you would like to add to the conversation, please feel free to share it. The stress line is 844-843-4676-844. 843-4676. That's 844-THE-HORN for people who like to spell with their telephone keypads. And then there's the whole business. Like I said, it was a very, it was a very thummy Sunday for Nitwit Nero. You know, we had the news about uh, him uh, sharing seek, uh, sharing uh, classified information, nu- nuclear secrets. But today he decided to deny the allegations that he shared classified information with an Australian billionaire who said that basically he bought influence with Donald Trump simply by spending money uh, 
uh, at Magaloco. Wow, this didn't go over well. Uh, the uh, the Australian billionaire in question is Anthony Pratt. Anthony Pratt, having been told about the submarine secrets, told 45 people about the conversation. And so it yielded this. The failing New York Times story leaked by deranged Jack Smith and the Biden political opponent abuser DOJ. Huh? About a red-haired weirdo from Australia named Anthony Pratt is fake news. Uh, 60 Minutes Australia, meanwhile, had gotten hold of a, a, a secret recording that showed, in fact, that Anthony Pratt was shitting on Nitwit Nero behind his back. And the 45 people Pratt talked to have talked to places like the New York Times. Among other things, he said he told Anthony Pratt that um, he did a, he's done a, a hell of a lot worse than trying to bribe Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. There's the time that he uh, told melanoma to uh, sashay around Mar-a-Lago in her bikini to impress others. Ugh. I never spoke to him about submarines, but I did speak to him about creating jobs in Ohio and Pennsylvania because that's what I'm all about. Maggie Hagerman and the Misfits never called me for comment. Why would they? They just write anything they want. Whether it's correct or not is of zero importance to them. All the news that's unfit to print, that's why we call it the fake news. <sighs> and then there's, uh, then there's what he says, what he calls Letitia James, the elected attorney general of the state of New York. He calls her Peekaboo James. Now, when, when I first saw him use this, remember, uh, he was uh, uh, well. Uh, on Friday, he made res- uh, resort again to criticizing. The Riggers, R-I-G-G-E-R-S, and nobody was fooled about what his intent was there. And now... Now he refers to Letitia James as Peekaboo James. 
and there's a word coming here, and I apologize for it, but I just want to make myself clear on what this is about. The son of a clansman uses rigors because it is one consonant away from the word he uses in conversation when he doesn't think anybody can hear him. We actually have uh, statements about that from, oh, who's the guy who worked with him on The Apprentice who talked about him snorting all the Adderall? And the loss of bowel and bladder control. Well, and of course that was a word that was used by his daddy, the Klansman. Well, there's another word. I would prefer not to use it. I remember years ago, uh, there was a, a a famous American skier, you know, Olympic level. And her name was Peekaboo Street. Curiously, her name was spelled P-I-C-A-B-O. Talented. Uh, she was absolutely thrilling to watch. Oh, this is not that. Peak a boo has as many syllables as an epithet that has been used perhaps centuries. As a as a weaponized word against black people, when challenged about it uh, by uh, PBS, Stephen Chung, Nitwit Nero's spokes creep, said. Anyone who thinks peekaboo is a racist phrase is obviously sick in the head and their assertion strains credulity and should not be taken seriously. Bullshit. Tell it to the Marines, Steve. Sorry, Steve. It's exactly what it is. Because it's exactly who Steve Chung's boss is. Peekaboo. What other what other what other meaning does it have? Noel Kassler. Thank you, Noel Kassler. That was the guy who worked with him on The Apprentice and talked about the Adderall, the snorting the Adderall and the diapers and the frequent use of that word. And the fact that there are said, there are still said to be outtakes from The Apprentice in which that word is flung around with reckless abandon. Peekaboo. 
Uh, hey, Jack. Jack in Shreveport. Um, I mentioned how really unfunny Saturday Night Live was. I tuned in at 30 minutes into the first hour just when you mentioned you watched some of SNL Saturday. I also had nothing else I felt like watching at the time. I think I recorded one of the two-and-a-half to four-hour-long movies on that night onto the DVR so I can skip through commercials later. I actually found the SNL episode, episode somewhat entertaining and watched quite a bit of it, but I had a little quirk involved. I'd been able to indulge in three semesters of Spanish at a community college about 20 years ago. The tiny bit I retained made many of the sketches kind of fun to watch. The host, Bad Bunny, was in many of the sketches, and I thought he had a pretty good sense of humor. The, the actor that's been in lots of Star Wars-related movies and series showed up a lot, and yes, Mick Jagger was in there too. The British Monty Python and Benny Hill men dressing as nuns and other women characters, beards and all style of humor was used a lot. And no, I didn't know much about Bad Bunny except that he sings and has been on some of the recent music award shows. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't find his music objectionable. Also, not going to run out and, but you know, then again, I'm an old. Yeah, the Christopher Columbus skit was had a couple of funny moments. Uh, others were kind of cringy. But that just seems that just seems to be the the the, the uh, rap on SNL these days. Maybe these things maybe maybe senses of you know in addition to senses of taste senses of humor change too. I don't know. In fact, that probably is the case. I remember my dad watching it and me laughing my ass off and saying, "Is this funny to you?" Yeah, Dad, this is pretty hilarious. I don't know why this is funny. Then again, he grew up with the greats like Jack Penny and George Burns and Gracie Allen and the Marx Brothers, Abbott and Costello. Right. Oh, and I mentioned uh, I mentioned the stress line. There's also, of course, Skype. If you would like to be in, uh, if you'd like to engage in some conversation by the Skype line, well, anywhere on planet Earth will get you here if there's not some sort of firewall. Not a lot of calls coming from Iran these days, or ever. But uh, Skype is Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, Kincaid Horn, K-I-N-C-A-I-D-H-O-R-N. And you can get through easily with that as well. Wildlife Relocation. Uh, Theo writes from out in Oregon. Hey, Robin. Hey, Theo. One of my side gigs at a former workplace involved removing wolf spiders from our made-over office building. The space above the drop ceilings provided comfy year-round habitat for arachnids. But once they ventured down into the working environment, my mainly female co-workers got sort of queasy. So I stopped work, grabbed a ladder and a drinking cup and a piece of thin cardboard and gently trapped the offending eight-legged beastie and turned it loose in our outdoor plantings. It was a refreshing change from my usual off-white collar labors. Off-white collar. Nice. Not well played. And I'm usually that way, too. I saved a cricket in here. I even wrote a poem about it. A cricket came bounding across the floor here in the studio, and I wondered what had gotten into it. 
And then a, a, a wolf spider was right behind it. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to we're not going to have this natural this this natural violence here in this studio. So I trapped the spider and took him outside. I let the cricket stay. Because I like the singing. Oh, and thank you, uh, thank you, Ralphs. Ralphs jumped in and matched uh, Steve's uh, Susan Collins twenty-five dollars, and I'll add five to it. Thank you, Ralphs. So that's fifty bucks that we will turn around and apply to the uh, clean up the ketchup challenge, courtesy of TJ in Des Moines. And so that gets us down to nine hundred and forty dollars to go on that challenge. Thank you. Desperate, desperate run to finish two months in a row, fully funded. Steve notes, uh, we don't want to kill children. This sounds an awful lot like the gun just went off. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It does, sadly. A little bit of justice. Jesus. A neo-Nazi in Ohio has pled guilty. Ohio. He's pled guilty because uh, being a white supremacist, he threw Molotov cocktails at a church in Ohio that was hosting a drag queen story hour. He entered a guilty plea to a federal hate crime charge today. Amen, A-I-M-E-N-N, Amen Penny, Penny, a 20-year-old disaffected white guy, is looking at at least 10 years in the federal stir when he's sentenced in January. Community Church of Chesterland, Reverend Jess Peacock, said... Actions like this need to have consequences. There needs to be a cooling effect to anyone who may want to burn down a church or a mosque or a synagogue. Um, it was back in March when the when this Nazi scum and his Nazi scum friends showed up at the church and yelled homophobic slurs and, of course, chanted Heil Hitler. When the FBI interviewed him, he said he threw the Molotov cocktails because he wanted to protect children. Um, with a search warrant of his home, the FBI found Nazi paraphernalia, memorabilia. They found a gas mask. They found gas cans. And, of course, the ever-present handwritten manifesto. No word on what was in the manifesto, protecting children by firebombing a church. Because, you know, Nazi logic. I wonder if any of his other Nazi pals are getting prosecuted. His firebombing took place on March 25th. 
And, of course, Ohio has become a hotbed of uh, uh, white supremacist hate group Nazi gatherings. And it seems to be a fertile field for recruiting. Neo-Nazis had previously shown up at a Drag Queen Story Hour event in Wadsworth, Ohio. They did the same thing they did at uh, Community Church of Chesterland. They yelled homophobic slurs and <sighs> yelled Heil Hitler a lot. At Penny's home, they got a Nazi flag. They found a White Lives Matter Ohio shirt. Uh, uh, who knew he was into uh, runway fashion? Yeah, remember uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West? The. And his uh, White Lives Matter shirt on the runway? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Upon interview, Eamon Penny, age 20, said that black Americans are the problem and are solely responsible for the high crime rate in America and that he's waiting for the race war to come. And this is one of those where you have to say, well, gee, at least it's not as bad as it could have been. And a question. What is it about wrestling? We'll stay in Ohio for this one. Uh, Columbiana County, Ohio. Where the uh, former high school wrestling coach in Geauga County uh, was busted recently in a prostitution string. Sting. Sting. 38-year-old Carmen Russo has resigned as coach at West Geauga High School in Chester Township. He was arrested for engaging in prostitution and possession of criminal tools wasn't actually a teacher at West Geauga High School. He was just the wrestling coach for the last two years. He was going to meet a woman that he was, uh, he thought he was meeting a woman who he was going to pay to fuck him. Had $140 on him when he got popped. The Mahoning Valley Human Trafficking Task Force uh, set up the sting. The woman was never real. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, but... Uh, 
Yeah, I could have saved this for prayer meeting Wednesday, but it would have been irrelevant by then. Uh, two members of the Texas maggot delegation in the Congress have decided not to run for speaker. They're into their meeting now there in Washington, D.C., as of this hour. Representing Jody Arrington and Roger Williams, maggots from Texas, said they're not going to run for speaker. Okay. Uh, Arrington, who is from Lubbock, issued a statement saying, After careful consideration and much prayer, I have decided not to run for speaker at this time. There are several capable candidates who have stepped forward to run, and I plan to support whomever our conference elects on Tuesday. I, I, may, I may have missed it. Maybe I don't keep up with uh, maggot fandom as closely as I should, but I hadn't heard anybody calling out for uh, Jody Arrington to be speaker. Then there's Roger Williams of Willa Park, who also, well, uh, reached his decision. After spending some time with my family in prayer, I've decided that now is not the right time for me to seek this important position. With my responsibilities as chairman of the House Small Business Committee, serving Texas's 25th Congressional District, badly, running a business back home, and most importantly to my family in these challenging times, it is important I give all I have to the jobs at hand. Family is most importantly, but comes last on the list. But both Arrington and Williams took it to the Lord in prayer. I think it's probably more like they didn't want to get in the middle in, in the middle of a knife fight. But they had both kind of teased that they might be into it. Uh, after Jim Jacketoff Jordan. Another wrestler, in this case Nambla adjacent, got chased out of the race. But Pete Sessions is still running. And Pete, uh, Pete Sessions was pro-Jordan, allegedly. They're a mess, aren't they? Just running through some of the other. Mad okay, this is madness. So, uh, late last week, a judge in Texas issued a ruling against Alex Jones, who said that he could not use bankruptcy in the state of Texas to uh, avoid paying the $1.1 billion that he owes to the Sandy Hook families, whom he tortured and tormented after that massacre claiming that the massacre was fake 
uh, Christopher Mattei, a Connecticut lawyer for the families, said the families are pleased with the court's ruling that Jones's malicious conduct will find no safe harbor in the bankruptcy court. As a result, Jones will continue to be accountable for his actions into the future, regardless of his claimed bankruptcy. Uh, Flavio was feeling rather cynical last week and said, call me when he pays a penny. I know, I know. But he's still in the air. He's still spewing forth the madness. And I don't know if the chocolate chicken bone paleo nutrition shake beverage poison is doing something. No, he doesn't drink that shit. He's not that crazy. Um, but he... Uh, Well, he is what he is. And God knows he said some plenty nutty things. So we'll just add this to the list. White people are amazing. But I'm talking to you tonight. Because you get it. And I respect you no matter if you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Jew, whether you're black or white. But I will tell you this. The divide and conquer is working. And when white people that are some of the most innovative, I'd say Japanese are right up there as well, but I mean, let's not lie. White people are incredible. They're amazing. And, 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 and all groups are amazing. I love humanity. But the attack that all he, groups. white is bad and you're bad because you're white and, and all of this, I mean, you look at the cathedrals white people built. You look at Beethoven, you look at the science, you look at all of it, and a lot of bad has been done. But, I mean, white people are amazing. And everybody else is incredible and amazing as well. But they are literally out there saying it's inherently bad to be white. What do you think a young white person who's not sophisticated yet thinks when they see that? They get aggregated into another column that the globalists are going to use once they collapse society, to be the commanders of the global extermination force. And then the white people are going to kill everybody. Hitler was just a dress rehearsal. I am literally jacked into the Holy Ghost. And God tells me, you need to give everybody an opportunity to join. And we're going to take everybody with us. And if you don't do this, I'm going to cut you off. You understand? And I'm like, Yes, sir. I uh, get the directive. I, uh, I, I, I'm going to try to convince people. It's like, good, better. So white people, 20 to 1, are being attacked around the country. For every one person that's attacked that's not white, 20 white people are attacked, killed, murdered, carjacked, raped, beat up for no reason. And everybody sees it, and big tech allows it. They don't censor all the whites getting attacked. anymore. They censor it in corporate media for the boomers. But they don't censor it online because they're legitimizing attacks on whites. They're promoting it towards a larger collision course. 
And when the white people are done wiping everybody else out, because that's what you told them, they were the devil. You told them they were going to do it. What we dream, we build. And now we approach the point of no return. What was that music in the background? Was that leading into Mr. Crowley? What? What? Okay, I'm, I'm back to where Steve was earlier. The hell was that? And he's he's uh, jacked into the Holy Ghost. Sounds like somebody's meds aren't working. Jacked, I tell you, jacked. Oh, he's jacked into something. Will Wheaton and he are roughly the same uh, the same age. Will Wheaton's a decent human being. Look at Alex Jones. Then again, there was a meme the other day, I, I presume it was true, of Harrison Ford holding a sign that said, Joe Biden and I are the same age. Old people are cool. I, I, I don't even, that, that's just, well, if you've got enough money squirreled away, nothing in the world can keep you from being, uh, nothing in the world can prevent anyone coming after you to, you know, check in on your sanity. Everybody's kind of waiting for uh, Michael Cohen's testimony, supposedly this week, where, at least in theory, he's going to be (laughs) cross-examined by Counsel for the parking garage, Alina Habana Habana Habana. I wonder how long, how much longer she's going to keep her law license. I had a note from Jessica up in Minnesota in the greater Rochester metropolitan co-prosperity sphere. Going back to what the, the epithet that Nitwit Nero uses for Letitia James. Peekaboo? Peekaboo? Are you fucking shitting me, Jessica says? The fuck? You can grab your swirly straw and bottle of whatever, Robin. I think I'm going to have a snort of aquavit for the uninitiated, essentially Norwegian vodka that some liken to turpentine. Isn't it flavored with anise or licorice or something? So, Skull, and allow me to take a spin on Eddie Valiant's toast in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Here's to the maggots. May their rabid dogma come back to bite them. Valiant's original being, here's to the pencil pushers. May they get all the lead poisoning. Uh, Commuting home, Jessica says, streaming the program. Well, and so late last night, like I said, it was a very thummy night for him. In the fake Biden-inspired fraud case against me brought by the corrupt AG, Letitia Peekaboo James of New York State, a sadly crime-infested place. You can almost hear the tears begin to flow, can't you? 
where people and businesses are fleeing to other states in record numbers. It is her and the highly partisan judge, who's been overturned many times, who defrauded me and the public by valuing my assets at a fraction of what they're worth in order to try and convict me without a trial of, or jury of fraud. She got into value Mar-a-Lago at $18 million when it is worth 50 to 100 times that amount. My assets are worth much more than listed on the 100% disclaimed financial statements, and there are no victims except me. Poor baby. Yeah. Peekaboo Street was an Olympic skier, Randy Radar says. Yeah, I think her name was spelled P-I-C-A-B-O. Because it just stuck. Like, what an interesting spelling. And so it goes on it goes on a neuron in my little language curious brain. Oh, and uh, race war. David in South Carolina stands says, uh, that dude, Eamon Penny, that dude can go visit Manson and wait with him. Rush is there, too. I hear they brew up some mean sweet tea there. <laughs> brew, indeed. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong about this, but the valuation of uh, MAGA lardass at $18 million... Is that damning to him? Well, I, I guess so because of the overvaluation he put on paper. No victims but me. Oh, the cue the cue the tinny whorehouse piano. And I think some of his co-defendants, some of Nitwit Nero's co-defendants in Georgia, are not screwed down just super tight. Witness in particular, Trevion Cootie. At one point in time, she was the publicist for uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West, now simply known as The and so she went on shitter and left a shit and said, I look forward to redeeming black women in politics by becoming press secretary to the 47th president of the United States, Donald Trump. Posting similarly on Instagram, she said, I'm protected. Then somebody must have picked up the phone and said, honey, take those down. And she deleted both both posts. So now some of the legal eagles following it all are saying, uh, uh, somebody's probably not going to get a plea deal now. It almost smells like, dare I say it, witness tampering.
and both in D.C. and in Georgia, the possibility continues to exist Um, the possibility exists to run up the trial date. And with uh, three guilty pleas, one of whom is going to be on record saying that he did engage in a conspiracy with Donald Trump to advance the fake electors slate and overturn the election... Well, both Judge Scott McAfee and Judge Tanya Chutkin have that at their disposal, have at their disposal moving up the trial date, as mentioned previously. But one other factor plays into this as well, and that is that Cheese Bro and Squidney Powell, the Kraken lawyer, are not going to be taking up the court's time with a trial. And so it may happen sooner than expected. According to Joyce Vance again at Substack, Fonnie Willis could leave it up to the judge to rule, but look for her to file a motion this week asking him to set that date. Remember, Willis was trying to try all the defendants October 3rd. She's ready to go. The people are entitled to justice in these cases, and it would make sense for Judge McAfee to schedule his case expeditiously, particularly since the existing schedule suggests it will be close to ready by the first of the year. Trump may face justice in Georgia sooner than he expected to, but it's going to be hard to fit all these trials in, and Trump is sure to complain about both political interference and violation of his rights to adequate preparation time. Both are issues all judges will have to take seriously to protect the integrity of any convictions on appeal but the possibility of using it an advanced trial date as a form of sanction for bad behavior is very real and within the jurisdiction of the court. And this is going to be, to say the least, a uh, contentious election season. A Democratic Party canvasser has been shot to death, was shot to death last week in Michigan. A 15-year-old was arrested. A 15-year-old. How? How utterly horrifying. A 15-year-old. And then, <laughs> oh goodness, the butt hurtery is thick. 
a maggot who was elected in North Dakota to the state legislature uh, named Brandon Pritchard. Uh, he was first elected in 2022. And, I don't know, file this under George Santos. Uh, he, all along, he's talked a lot about how he went to the University of Minnesota Law School. Over and over and over again. And, of course, because all these Venn diagrams are circles. He's probably the noisiest, Brandon Pritchard is, probably the noisiest of all the maggots in North Dakota's legislature when it comes to being uh, homophobic, transphobic. He is a steadfast opponent of any rights whatsoever for the LGBTQ plus community. And he's a freshman. And he ran right out there, hit the ground running, introduced a build up band drag shows. And then in order to try to get the support of the rubes, uh, he said, Every conservative state should put into code that Jesus Christ is king and dedicate their state to him. He also wants to ban pornography. And he he, he said that uh, anybody who isn't a Christian should not have full First Amendment rights to freedom of religion. But what really got under his skin and what really leads me to think there will be a moment of reckoning is that he wants to put a ban on public universities to prevent them from ever having same-sex homecoming royalty. Because North Dakota State University, are they the bison? I don't know. But uh, it sounds like North Dakota State University might be a little more progressive than the state that it's in. North Dakota State University crowned two homecoming kings. (gasps) But at the center of all of this is the fact that Brandon Pritchard has been running around saying he attended the University of Minnesota Law School. This prompted the University of Minnesota and its law school to say that Brandon Pritchard isn't a student here. And it's not like he said it far in the past. Recently he said, oh, I'm a law student at the University of Minnesota. That was on the floor of the legislature in North Dakota when he was braying against a wind energy bill. Because wind energy is kind of a big deal in North Dakota, not not just those filthy tar sands. Wind energy, too, because there's a lot of wind that blows through North Dakota. It just comes straight down out of Canada. 
Maybe not so straight. And so when the University of Minnesota said, no, he's not a student here. Brandon Pritchard said that if you look at the person who is behind a social media account, they've clearly anti-Christian things on their page. I believe this was politically motivated in a lot of ways. He said it on public access cable TV on a right-wing program. There very likely could be a lawsuit that comes from this. I mean, there really could be. Sure, there could be Brandon Brandon Santos. Are you Jewish too? So they kept on asking on the conservative public access show about is it? Uh, he said, uh, "Well, no. Um, uh, I, um, I, I'm enrolled in undergrad classes at the University of Minnesota, but I'm also taking classes at the law school." that'll overlap and allow me to continue being in law school after undergraduate. So off they went back to the University of Minnesota to check in and see if there was any, even a shred of truth in that. And the University of Minnesota said, uh, uh, no, he's not enrolled here. And if he took a class in the law school, it was a one-off class for the public. Probably should have saved that for prayer meeting Wednesday, but it's more and Monday, too. And he certainly qualifies as a Moran. Easy with that Aquavit, Jessica. And you're not that far from North Dakota, not that far from the University of Minnesota, neither. Well, you know, he went, he, he goes, see, they just don't understand he's a Christian. And, and what he does is he goes to the University of Minnesota Law School in his heart. He has faith that he goes to the University of Minnesota Law School in the name of Jesus. Maybe he's going there under a different name. Maybe Brandy. Mm Hmm? Brandy. You don't have to... Brandon's a mess, isn't he? Curious how he used non-binary pronouns to describe whoever it was that said whatever they said on their own personal social media page. Again, if you look at the person who is behind the social media account, they have clearly anti-Christian things on their page. They, their, them. Is he asserting that they're... Non-binary people are anti-Christian. That's what it is. Wow. Oh, thank you, Ralphs. Ralphs jumped in and added 17 bucks. 
uh, for the uh, Horniversary that will take place tomorrow, our 18th anniversary, which just blows my mind. Not that Ralph's helped. Ralph's always helped. But that this thing has managed to survive as an Internet-only standalone for that long. Wow. And we are at 940 on the Clean Up the Ketchup Challenge, courtesy of TJ in Des Moines. If we can match that challenge, if we can, if we can raise that, TJ will kick in the match to it. And we will be, we will have a much better chance of finish, finishing the month of October fully funded. Thanks, everybody. Uh, let's run over to the stress line for a minute. Hey, welcome to the program. Hi, Robin. It's Kevin. Hey, Kevin. How are you? Not bad. Uh... Yeah, I was listening to you talk about Ben earlier, and, you know, Alex Jones and all these. Him and Jones, boy. I I just, just the fact that the two of them are still on the air, you know. um, uh, I just, uh, it just, it just, it just makes my blood boil. You know. I do. These guys, um, Bannon, he's literally trying to kill this country, and nobody seems to be paying any attention at all. Literally. He's literally single-handedly, when you heard him, you know, it's your phone calls that made the difference, you know. We did this. We did this, you know. Fucking guy. He's been convicted of just about everything. Not as bad as maybe, uh, what's his name? When another one is gallivanting around, doing whatever he feels like. All these people are just willy-nilly, just running around everywhere, just throwing uh, M80s and cherry bombs and four or six of dynamite all over the country. I'm getting tired of it. I'm really, really getting tired of seeing these fuckers. I'm sorry, but... And then you get the 15-year-old boy who's what now? He's going to be what? The new Rittenhouse, I guess? So who's going to chime in on this on this kid's behalf? Because he's 15. He can't say anything. So who's going to who's gonna open their big mouth on this one, I wonder? Uh, you know, and call him like, you know, uh, what? I can just, you, I mean, you can see, you can script it now, right, Robin? It feels that way. This 15-year-old, I don't know the, de- I don't know the details. I, I, this is the first I heard about it when you said something on the radio. I mean, on your show just now, but uh, it was self-defense, I guess. You know, another dead Democrat. Who cares? Whatever. I don't know. And you know, I'm going all over the place here. But Trump, yeah, move the trial dates up. Get this guy convicted now. Get him convicted before the election. Before and and let's just see where the chips fall. I don't want him. Not in jail by the time the election rolls around. I want him locked up, and then we'll we'll see. Let's let's just have well, it. I, I, let's, I, let's I, just got, I, it. I hate to I hate to break your heart or anything, Kevin, but I don't. I I think even if he's convicted, he's not going to be in jail because well, I mean, they're, they're going to put he'll, him somewhere. He'll be, no, he, no, wait, wait, wait. 
he will he'll probably get the Bannon treatment. He'll be allowed to remain out on bail because it's unique. No, no president's ever been pr- pr- prosecuted and convicted. No president's ever been prosecuted. And so they, the, any any trial court will probably allow him to remain out on bail pending appeal, and the appeal will crawl slowly up to the Supreme Court of the United States. And yeah, and and, the, and and polling, as much as I loathe it, polling has suggested that the maggots want him to be their nominee, and it doesn't matter if he is accused and convicted of killing Cock Robin and kidnapping the Lindbergh baby. They want him to be their nominee. I know that. I know all that you just said. I, I know. I'm, I'm, just, I, I just, I'm going on a motion here. That's okay. I mean, you know, I'm making this phone call with a motion. Well, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a hysterical woman, so, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> uh but the but the, the yeah, other, I call the, it booster and flu shot today. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I you know I did it on a whim. I went to the grocery store. You know, they, a lot of them have pharmacies, and I've been usually using CVS for my shots. But you know, it's, you got to do all kinds of uh, when you make the appointment. It's like it takes like ten minutes to do it, fifteen minutes on your phone. I just walked in there and I told him, yeah, I'm not a. I'm not a member of this pharmacy, but, you know, you're doing shots. He goes, yeah, if you want to wait about a half an hour, I can do it. And I'm like, yeah. All they gave me was a clipboard, two pieces of paper, and he gave the questions. And uh, next thing you know, I had, the, I had both shots. So I had a Pfizer one last time. So I went with Moderna. I, was, I just looked at my card. <laughs> what was on there? But I'm glad I got that done because, you know, I'm outside all the time for the mail and I don't get the RSV two weeks from now. So it's a little sore arm. That's about it. So I got it. Anyway, what were you going to say? Uh, I was, I, I, the, the question I was going to ask, though, and, and I don't necessarily have an answer for it, is um, do, we, do we really not want him to be the nominee? Right. The devil you know. I mean, going, if, right? if, yeah, well, it's that plus the fact that if somebody comes along, and I'm sure I'm sure that all the opposition research is already well underway, but let's assume for a minute that it was uh, Nimrata Haley, or maybe uh-huh. uh, oh, yeah, she- maybe Tim Scott. Yeah, he of the mystery girlfriend. That could pull a lot of votes away. And right now, uh, some polling data from the last couple of weeks or so suggests that now that he's running as an independent, rotted FK is pulling independent votes away, not from President Biden, but from Trump. Uh, yeah, I did hear that early on, but thanks for reminding me about that. So, yeah, let him. You do you, RFK. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll let him, we'll let him, uh, yeah, 
sure. Go get some, uh, go get some Holland Crow money. You know, line up, you know? Well, I mean, that about, uh, uh, I mean, uh, it, Harlan Crow's out there giving what's his name? Yeah, Harlan Crow's out there giving money yeah, to, uh, money to independent to candidates. Cornell West. Cornell West, yeah, that's 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 a new law. Well, we talked about that Friday. Yeah, yeah we did. It was depressing. But, yeah, we talked about that. Gotta get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the house thing. It's you can just tell it's it's all it's 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 smoking errors. Yeah. Anybody really paying attention knows it's it's going nowhere. To see when and, and <sighs> when the house does shut down because that there is a this is a conspiracy to do that. Drain the swamp. Right. What they're thinking is that they'll say, "Well, this wouldn't happen if them damn Democrats hadn't voted with the eight mutineers." They actually, oh, yeah. they actually think that's good They're messaging. Experts. Oh, they always do. Anything they say, anything a Republican says, I mean, anything they say at all is always gospel. Always. That's the way they, you know that. They, they, they think that it doesn't matter. I mean, because they feel that they have, they feel they have the cred because they're, they're with Jesus, you know, and, uh, they're, they're right standing and they're so anything that they say, you know, take it. It's take it to the bank because it'll it'll trump anything a Democrat says, even if it's true or that's how they believe that they've been, you know, they've been doing it for a long, long time. It seems, you know, it's like they open their mouth and it's like people believe it. I don't know. But I think, I think we're smart though this time. Like I said it Friday, you know, maybe on the back porch, I don't know. But I think I think we're smarter this time around the country as a whole. We've all been watching this all this game gamesmanship and show showmanship for how many years now? Two thousand sixteen. Been going on in one form or another. Well, Everybody yeah, knows I mean, I, I what's going if, on. If we're honest about it, I think two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen, yeah, right, all right. Yeah, yeah, because that's it. That's when the carnival started in the summer of 2015, coming down the escalator. And everything that followed after that. And and it just, it just, it it leads to some mental and emotional overload. It really does. Oh, like you said, you took the weekend off. I, I, I mentioned this Friday too. Uh, I just, don't really dive into Morning Joe like I used to or any other shows, even the podcasts I listen to. I don't listen to as many. Um, I just, I, I, I think, I, you know, a, a few shows here and there I listen to, watch yours, obviously, every day. And that's all I need, you know? I mean, I look at my phone, I see the headlines, and I can pretty much gauge what's going on. I don't have to read the whole story, you know, and get all crazy and, you know. <laughs> yeah, you do have to pull away because it, it is so bad. The last, like you said, the last month has been just like day after day, not just bad news, but just horrifying news. I mean, I haven't watched hardly any coverage of the Israel, uh, what happened in Israel. I have not. I mean, I, I heard about it and I saw it on the phone and listened to some shows about it, and then uh, I haven't watched any 
graphic, any, any of that graphic footage. And I, I've, I've had enough, you know, I can just imagine. I mean, I, and I, and I, I, I deliver magazines obviously every day at work and I, I see some of the magazine covers that came out and boy, you know, I had a pretty graphic for them because the week they always draw a cartoon, really good cartoon covers on their, on their magazines. You know, and, uh, that cover, I don't know if you, uh, I think it was the week usually comes out every Saturday. And, uh, so it was two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago. And it was, it showed the music festival. Um, maybe it was a cartoon of an actual photo. I don't know, but I saw that cover, that magazine cover and the horror on this one woman's face. And I, that's all I needed to see. You know what I mean? I, it, you can just yeah. do the math, you know, then, yeah. So you ducks, you know, in a place like that, open air and just everybody's at a festival and, and everything just goes crazy. And then it's like, you're, where, you, where do you go? You're, you're, you've got no trees around you or nothing. You've got no cover. I mean, you do, but you got, they're a long way away. <sighs> And one side, you know, one side has precision guided missiles and jets and helicopters and uh, every every piece of advanced weaponry known to humanity, and the other side has machine guns at best and some unguided rockets that they can't that they can't even they can't they can't even um, set the target for. And I'm, that's not a that's that's not a defense that. I have I have not a kind word to say for Hamas, and certainly not an approving word. No, but I think I, I think I think it's I don't think there's any bias in acknowledging the imbalance in the fight. It's kind of like us when we went into Iraq. Same yeah. thing. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. at this point in over, time, over. Gaza, Gaza is the living embodiment of the old, the old saying, like shooting fish in a barrel. They can't leave. All yep. they can, all they all they can do is move around inside the open air uh, the open air concentration camp. And everywhere they everywhere or they like set a, foot is a target. Or like a giant Dunkirk. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They were sitting ducks there too, and it's yeah. it's 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 horrifying. It's amazing that and 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 uh, you know my disgust with Iran it just knows no bounds because again that is a government, not a people. That's the mullahs and the Revolutionary Guard and those dirtbags. As far as I can tell, the vast majority of Iranian civilians would like to be as free as people in the so-called West are. Hell, they they'd, li they'd like to be as free as the Israelis are. They walk out on the street and they get shot for, you know... Well, uh, uh, the, 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 Iranian, the Iranian government just 
arrested two journalists for reporting on the murder of the Iranian woman who was killed by the religious police for not wearing uh, a covering over her sinful hair. Yeah, you do. Wow. And in, and in, 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 in Iran, in Gaza, in the West Bank, and in Israel... I think I, I think it is short-sighted not to note, Kevin, that they are all, all all those places are being run by misogynist, woman-hating, fundamentalist asshole men. Right. Yeah. I mean, sure there there will always be some some self-hating women to back them up. But it, it, but 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 all of these all of these monotheistic fundamentalisms are run by men for men and for the purpose of oppressing women. And you can't you you, you can't understate that. You can't overstate that. This is men. This is men making laws about society that women have to live with. This there was is, a video. I don't know if it was TikTok or some other. Go ahead. No, you yeah, please. Um, she was from somewhere in Africa, working in China as a teacher, and her boss. A Chinese man got angry with her about something. I'm trying to remember what actually happened, but she physically attacked her and chased her, and she was fearing for her life. She was able to get out of the building with nothing but her. By the time she got out of the building, she never phoned. She she had she had she had no shoes on. It was that bad. I mean, he he was singing when he was chasing her. He was he was like mocking her and singing and uh, she finally got out and saw a Chinese woman outside and she said do you speak English because she spoke English and uh, I don't know if she was an English teacher in China whatever um, and she, the little lady goes yeah I, I speak English and then she goes well we call the police and it just got worse from there and they so basically they turned the story you, you can do the math they turned the story around on her that it was her fault and if she'll do any if she's going to pursue anything that they'll sue her and it was just sad to watch she was just broken i mean completely broken uh by what had happened to her just from doing her job and it, i I have to see it again to remember exactly what happened, but there's some kind of disagreement with her, with her superior there and her boss and, and, uh, he called her on and she, she wasn't happy about it. And then he just took it to the next level. And, uh, she just, of course, wasn't having it and was fearing for her life and got out. She did get out of there and she's, she made the video and she, despite being threatened, she put it up there on social media. So it's out there. Um, I'm not sure where in China it's it is and what exactly what country and Africa she's from, but um, I think it was TikTok or something. But um, yeah, they threatened to threatened to sue her, the school, and the police uh, basically kind of let her twist, you know, for the most part. 
angle after uh, the guy turned around and said that she hit him, you know, that type of thing. So there you go. And, yeah. you know, to what and, you're and saying about men, yeah. you know. Exactly. And and to the extent so to the extent that... To the extent that we look at Israel and Gaza and the West Bank, Israel and Palestine, and we see an intractable conflict, it doesn't have to be. I mean, I know what your last name is, and I'm Irish too, to a certain extent. And Ireland has been a contentious place, a bloody ground, between the, the English invasion and occupation and the creation of Northern Protestant, Protestant Northern Ireland versus the Catholic oh, yeah, rest the of the island, the Troubles, and I'm sure yep. there, you know, I'm sure there's still some internecine strife, but those are largely the same peoples who were separated by religions, and it's it's an oversimplification to say that a way was found toward peace, but damn, look at it. Tell me if I'm wrong. There's a two. They're 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 literally living a two-state solution. Yep. Are they not? They are. Uh, Yeah, they are. They're they're they're. That's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, See, did you see the bumper stickers? Twenty-six plus six equals one. Twenty-six counties plus six counties. Right. Yeah. 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 And and the the fundamental. Yeah, that's a two-state solution. But the problem is, at least the six counties of Northern Ireland are contiguous. You don't have four counties up in the north and two down at the down on the southwestern coast. Yeah, they're all connected with no means of connection yeah. between them. And the fact that uh, the fact that Psycho Baby, Keska say, the fact that Psycho Baby deliberately tried to play both ends against the middle, empowering Hamas in order to keep the Palestinian Authority from having power in Gaza so that it would prevent a two-state solution. I mean, I I don't... uh, The grief and the anger and the fear and the horror is entirely too fresh and too real in Israel right now to even have the conversation, I suspect. But sooner or later, yeah, the, Israeli, the Israeli people have a right to demand an accounting from Bibi Netanyahu and the, fundam- the, the, the fundamentalist religious weirdos that he's got propping sure. him up. Yeah, and they've been out in the streets, too, all summer long. Right, um, because, because the tech sector, uh, which is closely allied with the military sector... And remember, everyone in Israel does not have to serve in the IDF for two years because the religious weirdos are exempt. They don't have to serve. They're better than the secular Israelis. So a secular uh, Israeli mama's son or daughter can go and get blown away by Hamas, but the weirdo mama is never going to see her baby come home draped with an Israeli flag. I did not know that. So if they're orthodox, you don't have to serve. 
I don't necessarily. I don't know Basically. if it's or you know. There's 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 a bunch of different sects. You know, in Jerusalem, yeah. in Jerusalem, women have to ride literally at the back of the bus, so that yeah, so that the religious that. so that the religious weirdo men won't be offended by the sight of them. <laughs> tell me what the di- tell me what the difference is between that situation and a woman having to wear a goddamn beekeeper suit to walk out on the streets of Kabul. Right, the same thing. Fundamentalism is poison, and fundamentalism is poison, whether it be Jewish fundamentalism, Arabic fund, uh, Muslim fundamentalism, Christian fundamentalism, Hindu or, fundamentalism, or yeah. Sikh fundamentalism. I don't even know what that would look like. Jain fundamentalism. I, I, I still remember uh, over a decade ago a story about uh, some strife in India, Kevin, where radical jains went and burned down a Hindu temple in India. And it's like, how does a jain even get to that point? You know it's bad when it's happening in India. I mean, when they're doing this shit in India... A jain a, a a would not have squished that spider two nights ago that yeah. I squished. Right. They exactly. Yeah. They, they they believe everything's sacred. That I remember watching some kind of special somewhere. I think it was India, and the guy had to dig dig up something to I don't know redo something, and he was all freaked out because he thought he'd kill some bugs. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it. Yeah. It it boggles the mind. And, you know, maybe one of these days we get to the Star Trek future, but it looks like there's going to be all the bloodshed that they talked about in the past in the in, in Star Trek to, to get through. Damn it. Mm. It's just depressing. Fundamentalism is, uh, it's picking up all over the world. You can definitely tell that. And, I mean, to a certain extent, it's yeah. always it's always been there, Kevin, but... Look at the vast majority of problems we have in the United States. Most of those are driven by fundamentalist religions. Oh, I, the, the, there wouldn't be, not to make it about me or my community or whatever, but uh, the uh, the LGBTQ plus community wouldn't have a tenth of the problems that it has in terms of accessing civil rights in this country, if it weren't for the Baptists, and if it weren't for the fundamentalist Presbyterians, and if it weren't for the snake handlers and the Pentecostals and the, you know. And they they line up their political power inside the Republican Party and and, and then pay Republican politicians to do stupid shit like drag bans and preventing and preventing trans kids from being able to access gender affirming care or making sure that nobody can say gay in the state of Florida or putting razor wire along the New Texas New Mexico state line ostensibly to stop you know Migrants, yeah, but right. equally effectively to stop women from being able to get into New Mexico to access.
access reproductive care because counties in Texas have have, have moved to shut down the highways, the federal interstate highways into New Mexico. I didn't know that was going on. Wow. Oh, yeah, you knew they'd go there, though, eventually. And all of these things things were sorted out during that dust-up between 1861 and 1865. And then by constitutional amendment, but here we are arguing over nullification again. Yes, we are. We got to. Sorry, I didn't mean to keep you on the line. No, it's okay. No, no, you, 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 you were on a, you were on a, you were on a roll there, and I, I didn't want to get in your way. I'm not going to get in your way on that. That's, uh, you know, you had, you had a few more states for the, for the original Confederacy, and they're all in lockstep, it seems. But I think also. You know, this younger generation is going to have to save us, uh, and hopefully they'll come out and vote and uh, eventually get into power. They don't make the same mistakes that, like, big boomers, you know, when they were younger in the 60s, you know, they were idealistic, and they were against the Vietnam War, and they were going to change the world, remember? Yeah. And a lot of them, a lot of them wound up... Uh, Going the other way, you know. The, well, you go the from you go, came and they got older, and you go from kidney beans to three uh, to three piece Savile Row suits and a corner office in on Wall Street. I, it, it's, I mean, it's a it's a very it's so, a very identifiable phenomenon. It's called, uh, and in fact, it was our uh, my my dear friend, our dear friend Bruce up in Wisconsin, who first made me aware of it. You know, Igamfu. I got mine. Fuck you. And and yeah. and, and I hope. Uh, I, I hope the younger millennials and Z and what are they Alpha now the teenagers? I'm hoping they're better than that. They seem to be their 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 idealism seems to be fairly uh, fairly well grounded. You know, except for Benny Drywife Shapiro and his brother Deacon Asa pointed out a little bit ago when yeah. I played that clip. He said. God damn it, woman, why do you give this desiccating dweeb so much airtime? And of course, desiccating dweeb, wait a minute. And of course he needs he needs to read off a script. He's 12! Not wrong, Brother Deacon. And here we yeah, are, right, Kevin? Those... Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up, so I'll let you, I'll let you go. All right, you take care, Kevin. So, Thanks for the call. Oh, by the way, did uh, I'll, I'll answer uh, Steve's challenge here for the oh, fuck, the Collins. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I'll, that'll I'll, that'll I'll, get I'll, us down I'll, to I'll, I'll uh, yeah. that that'll get us down to uh, eight ninety eight on TJ's challenge. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll, I'll throw on a PayPal when I get off the phone. Okay, thanks so much. I really oh. do appreciate it. Ah, oh, my pleasure. Well, all right. Well, you have a good night. Everybody in the Horn family, have a great night. And um, we'll hang in there and pull back from the from the big, from the news every now and then. You have to. Yeah, you got to climb. You got to pay attention, but you got to. 
Yeah, climate, you know, climate we'll off the ledge. We'll, yeah, we'll, 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 you know, we'll deal with it. We'll, and we'll have a laugh along the way, and it won't be quite so. It won't yeah. be quite so grim. And God, I, yeah. I wish I could. I wish I could have shared that pot of chili with the whole the Horn Family Community Congregation because I'm proud of it. Oh, you got. You got me thinking. I gotta make my. I gotta make a chili now for maybe. Well, the weather's supposed to turn a little bit like early next week here. I think supposed to. Yeah, we're supposed to get one like one like last warm spell, and then the shit's gonna hit the fan. Yeah, like yeah. I was out in my yard today on my day off, just getting all the leaves up. Well, not all of them. One tree. Guy across the street. His tree. We both have the same maples, but. His tree starts like ten days before mine. It's so weird, and all his leaves, a lot of leaves, come over on my side, and whatever. Yeah, it's all good, but <laughs> uh, it worked good though. Sucked them up, cut them up good. So, so. all right then. All right, you well, take care, night. Kevin. All right, bye. All right, Kevin, calling from uh, Massachusetts. And I wanted to add one more thing before uh, we wrap up this evening. Uh, well, uh, Randy Radar says, uh, you've heard of made-for-TV movies. Well, this is made-for-TV war. I turn the channel. Adding, yeah, and what was that payment to Hamas, to Hamas about? Uh, well, Bibi Netanyahu gave the go-ahead to Qatar to transfer billions, I think it was, or maybe a billion, to Hamas in Gaza so that Hamas could overwhelm the Palestinian Authority and actually win the election in Gaza to run Gaza in order to provide counterpoint to the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank so that not, because they don't like each other either, and prevent any talk of a two-state solution and end to the troubles, as was finally brought about in Ireland. Uh, Matt in San Francisco, RFK. The anti-vax crowd really loves RFK. There's a group of them that camp out on a freeway overpass in Berkeley. In the past, they've had signs like, don't jab your kids, the shot is mind control, all kinds of crazy stuff. Recently, they've added an official Robert F. Kennedy 2024 banner to their other crazy signs. Trump used to have those people in the palm of his hand. But now, RFK has won that crowd over because he is as far down the rabbit hole as they are. Run, baby, run, says Matt. No argument here. None at all. Oh, and just a quick, uh, a little a little trick that I tried with the chili this weekend for anybody who's interested. Um, I got some really nice lean stew beef that I add in with the ground beef. It's part of what made it so good. And I braised it in a combination of beef. Well, I, I, I let it get a good sear, and then I deglazed the pan and let it braise in a mixture of... Uh, 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 not from concentrate tomato juice and better than bullion beef broth 
and then I put added that all into the general mix. It was tender. You can touch it with a fork. It falls apart. But it's more than just the usual ground beef. And it didn't change the cost that much. But it was a nice touch. I also make a mean tofu chili. If we ever have another horn in, maybe I'll do maybe I'll do a couple of pots. Veggie and non veggie. And cornbread for both. But uh, as I said, um, one one last thing. Every now and then, even a maggot will confess what the game is. Uh, yesterday on ABC's This Week with George Snuffleupagus, they had Michael McCall, a maggot from Texas, who is the chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And in a moment of almost shocking candor, he said the following. This is probably one of the most embarrassing things I've seen. We're essentially, wait for it, shut down as a government. And he was actually, for once in his life, telling the truth. And that shutdown is the point. Coming up on 8 o'clock in the Eastern Daylight Time Zone, end of the program, the maggots have been in their little forum since 6:30, one presumes. I don't know if I don't know if they've gotten to the screaming phase of the pageant. I don't know if anybody's told Matt Gates to sit down and shut up up. You pedophile. Or go snort some go snort some Viagra, Matt. But if they really wanted to solve this problem, they could find a speaker candidate who would agree to a privileged resolution making the mutineers walk the plank and have the full cooperation of the Democratic caucus and get back to business. But unless something dramatic happens with the mutineers, this government is going to stay shut down. Remember, Matt Gates wanted a shutdown. Norman, uh, Ralph Norman wanted a shutdown. Paul Gosar, the demon dentist of the desert, wanted a shutdown. This whole piece of political mummery began with a petulant fit thrown over the government not being shut down. And so when Michael McCall, chair of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, who would ostensibly be in charge of shepherding a bill for relief to Gaza, more guns to Israel, and support for a country that's actually battling, fighting for their very lives and for democracy on planet Earth, Ukraine... When that bill come, would come along, it would come through McCall's committee. And I'm presuming maybe he would like to actually see that. We're essentially shut down as a government. 
and it is exactly what Matt Gates and the other mutineers wanted. And if they really want this government shut down and they maintain mutineer unity, mutinity, mutinity, then it doesn't matter what goes on in that closed-door meeting, and it doesn't matter what goes on in that closed-door election at 9 a.m. tomorrow, and it won't matter which candidate comes forward. Because the mutineers are still in charge of the ship. So just be alert to it. You know, I'll be up bright and surly in the morning to consume all the content. I presume a lot of us will be. Keep that in mind. At some point in time, I don't want to be, but I may wind up being right. We may wind up being right. So that's the program. Thanks, everybody, for joining in the conversation. Thank you so very much indeed. Thanks to our Patreon and PayPal subscribers. Uh, We have... uh, $898 to go on TJ's challenge. Uh, Here's hoping it gets met. It gives us a fighting chance to finish the month fully funded. Thank you to our a la carte contributors responding to the challenge this evening. Thanks for the challenge, TJ. Thank you to each and every one of you who share your precious finite time engaging in the program in whatever manner you so choose. Thanks to our all-volunteer staff. Thanks to Roger in the chat room. Thank you to our news ninjas. Thank you, Brother Deacon Asa, head on dot live. Remember, like and subscribe to the podcast, please. Might even want to do it on multiple for, uh, multiple platforms, just so you know that you always get the notification. Give the program a like. Leave a comment, even if it's just hello and hello. That was a comment on Podbean. Thank you, John Fox in Australia. Thank you, Ben Birch, WhiteRoseSociety.org. Thanks to the hardest-working, bravest people I know, the folks at Coal River Mountain Watch, CRMW.net. 20-plus years at the forefront of the struggle for human rights and environmental justice in Appalachia at a proud union shop. Stay safe. Do like Kevin did. Get your booster, get your flu shot, get your RSV. Wear your mask when you're around groups of more than five, especially if there are maggots in it. You know about them. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, use your hand sanitizer, keep it with you, pocket or purse. Maintain your social distance. And if the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee comes towards you saying, you know, this is embarrassing, we're essentially in a government shutdown, look at him and say, you don't fool me, that's what you wanted. And avoid him like the plague, because he is. And always, 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 Gina, it's all for you. Love you, Wayne. Later.